I just think food is such an unbelievably important part of culture and building friendships and raising a family. I know it sounds quite serious, but I really, I really do feel that. Food for Thought episode 8. Jessica Eaton is from Botswana in Southern Africa and now lives here in Edinburgh. In this episode, she talks to us about her family heritage and shares her lasting memories of the foods of her childhood. Can you tell me your name and your age? Jessica Eaton, 26. I'm from Gaborone, Botswana in Southern Africa, though I was born in Johannesburg. I currently live in Edinburgh. Uh, I think it's more difficult to describe where I'm from and what community I'm part of than most people would find it to be. Um, My mum is from South Africa and her family arrived in South Africa from Europe in the 1700s as part of of a big wave of people who came to South Africa during that period. So her family has been there as far back as we can trace and she really has no, certainly has no recollection, but no trace of family from that predates her South African heritage. So on her side, the history in South Africa and in Africa runs really far back. My dad is from Botswana. He is a fifth generation citizen of Botswana and I'm a sixth generation citizen of Botswana. So his family has been in that country since before independence, certainly. Um, and then prior to that came up from South Africa. His mother was ma- his sorry his his grandmother was married to a man from New Zealand who came out to fight the Boers who are some white South African farmers and ended up marrying one. She mm-hmm. was Afrikaans speaking and he was obviously English speaking. He didn't apparently speak a word of Afrikaans and she didn't speak a word of English. So no one knows how they communicated with each other during their long marriage, uh, but they did. They managed to have a long and happy marriage together so besides my great my great grandfather who was from New Zealand all of my family is from either South Africa or Botswana and just to add I would probably describe myself as being part of one of the smallest minorities populations in the world though my skin is white and one probably doesn't associate white people with being part of a minority ethnic community I certainly am part of one, being a white citizen of sub-Saharan Africa, which makes up only about 3% of the population of Botswana. So we really are part of a tiny minority uh, in a country that is primarily black and dominated by um, black African people who speak Setswana. So my heritage is Afrikaans and white English-speaking South Africans and citizens of Botswana. that I like more than food and it certainly played a big role uh, in my family growing up. Both my parents regard a meal at the dinner table all together in the evenings as a really important part of family life and my mother is a high school teacher and encourages all the parents who she has contact with and all her students to have meals with their family at the dinner table as much as frequently as they can. Uh, because she sees it as a really important way of children being able to share their stories with their parents and the parents being able to share their stories and their work-life 
their work days with their children. And that is certainly a value that my mum and dad brought to my household growing up. My mum, as I said, is from South Africa, so a lot of the food that she cooks is influenced by South African themes and cuisines. South African food is not as one... You can't really describe it as one cuisine. It really depends on the region of South Africa. You're from coastal regions, obviously have a lot of seafood influence, and inland there's more game meat uh, in the dishes. But um, the food that my mum cooks is quite influenced by... Afrikaans and Creole cooking and to describe a traditional dish that my mom made growing up for us is called babueti which is a South African Afrikaans influenced dish which is made of meat and sweet raisins with almonds and an egg yolk topping. It doesn't sound very great it sounds like a very bizarre mix of ingredients but a lot of South African food involves meat and fruit so the sweet and the savoury together. Mm. And it was one of my favourite memories of growing up, is having baburti at the dinner table. On my dad's side, he his cooking and his childhood was quite influenced by, again, Afrikaans cultures, but further north than my mother's family. And my dad often cooks Sunday roasts, which are influenced by the Afrikaans heritage that he had growing up. Typically, there'll be three meats, so there'll be a pork, sorry, there'll be a lamb, a beef, and a chicken. And Afrikaners, the joke is that Afrikaners from that region view chicken as a vegetable. So that's seen, the third meat is kind of seen as a vegetable because they, they take their meat eating very, very seriously. Uh, I think I'd be remiss to answer a question about food being a Southern African without talking about a braai, which is our word for barbecue. And that is just cooking meat out on the um, out on an open fire, preferably outdoors uh, in good weather, and having a few cold salads to go with the meats. So those are some of the things I ate growing up and have very fond memories of them. So a lot of the recipes that my mum has and that she often shares with me via WhatsApp <laughs> come from a book uh, of recipes that she has from her mother and that her mother has from her mother, which are, tend to be newspaper cutouts or magazine cutouts that have then been posted on pieces of A4 paper and bound into books that have been passed down through the generations. And it sounds sounds quite sounds kind of like I've made this up but it really is true and whenever I ask my mom to send me one of the recipes that I fondly remember from my childhood she often takes a photograph of the handwritten recipe and then whatsapps it to me so it can kind of show you how things have changed and I probably won't have a bound book of newspaper cuttings or magazine cuttings to give to my children uh, probably just have a collection of whatsapp screenshots <laughs> but that's okay. At least, at least the food will taste the same and hopefully be enjoyed in the same way. Botswana is a pretty hostile environment. <laughs> Most of the country is covered by the Kalahari Desert, so growing, having a vegetable garden is very difficult. Only the people with the greenest fingers could manage that. 
So there's not really a culture of locally sourced or organic products. A lot of the country is still very uh, rural, lives in a very, very rural areas and tends to be quite poor. So the concept of heirloom tomatoes or fancy carrots is really not a trend that has made its way to Botswana. Uh, certainly people in rural communities will be will be either gathering uh, vegetables or fruit from nearby um, environments um, or planting basic crops but we live in the capital city of Botswana where there's very little open land where you could have a vegetable garden so we the ingredients that we use in our food at home have been store-bought and mostly imported from South Africa where there's obviously a lot more fertile environment to grow, this kind of thing. Wealthier people in Gaborone would tend to eat out more frequently and cook less at home because they would have both the mother and father holding down a job. And in fact, I hear quite often from my mother, who is a high school teacher, that the children mention that their parents never cook for them at home. And as parents get busier and women tend to have full-time jobs, obviously the tradition of making a family meal in the evening falls away, which is unfortunate. But I think that that has a huge impact on the kind of food that wealthier people eat and that they're eating out more frequently or ordering in. Uh, poor people do tend to cook for themselves more just because it is obviously the cheaper option and tend to eat a lot less protein. So poor, poorer people in Botswana and more rural people will eat a lot of samp and pup which are staple maize based products and for only on special occasions will people be able to have access to protein at weddings or at funerals. So yes, I think there's certainly a very big difference in the way that people eat depending on their socioeconomic status in Botswana, which is a shame. Weddings and funerals, like in most societies, are taken really seriously in Botswana and a few hundred people will gather and there will often be a, a cow or a lamb slaughtered for the event. So there will be a lot of protein on offer at events of that kind. Um, so I actually think socioeconomic status has less of an effect on the kind of, kinds of foods that are eaten by people at special events, but on a day-to-day -day basis, poor people certainly are having less access to protein um, and eating less healthy. talk to me about any food traditions around a particular life event? Uh, I think I'd probably choose to talk about a braai on a Sunday, which is a very typical Southern African, probably typically white Southern African event, which normally surrounds a rugby game, but could also be um, on a during a cricket match or a tennis match, so typically surround sport. There will be sport playing in the lounge, and then because it tends to be beautiful weather in 
Botswana and South Africa year round, there'll be doors opening out onto a patio or a garden where the men will typically be outside doing the braai and the ladies inside doing the salads and um, drinks and maybe cold meats and all of that that accompanies the meat. But I think I will say that braais are quite, um, the roles involved, involved in a braai are quite gender specific. So you do tend to have men outside smoking a cigarette, having a beer, doing the meat, um, and that's really the men's space and they have their own conversations and the woman will be inside uh, in the indoor kitchen doing things, preparing food in there. Obviously that has changed over time and at a braai of people who were my contemporaries be a lot more integrated, but during my parents' time certainly braais would be quite divided along gender lines. But the kind of food that is eaten, would, a typical braai food would be a burrovos roll, which is a kind of a spicy sausage inside of bread roll. And very simple, quite similar to a hot dog, but just much better and more delicious sausage uh, that you can only get um, really nicely made at home. Typically out of beef, but could be out of game meat. And have very fond memories of braais growing up. And I've had a few braais in Scotland. Um, when the weather's nice enough to have uh, a barbecue in the meadows. So I think the reason that the bar is so popular in Botswana and South Africa and other Southern African countries and in Australia as well is because the weather is beautiful almost all year round so it's always braai time in Botswana uh, it's always time for a cold beer and to stand in the sun even if it's winter whereas in Scotland obviously it rains a hell of a lot of the time and so it's not really braai weather and so I think that tradition would probably fall away a bit if I were to continue to live here or live in another cold climate uh, as far as the general tradition of cooking and the foods that I grew up on continuing, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it will probably fall away in my generation and the next because I live in Scotland, even though I grew up in Botswana and will probably continue to live here for a few years and it's unlikely that I will go home anytime soon. My brother is living in America and I think it's unlikely that he will go home anytime soon. And so I think as... The world becomes more globalised and people live further and further away from home and have less and less contact with their families and their home countries. Unfortunately, those traditions do tend to fall away. I admire Indian culture particularly because I really feel that Indians, no matter where they live in the world, have access to Indian grocery stores and they make a big effort to use spices from home to make their special foods on their special occasions. So I really admire that culture for its relationship with food and recently went to India and was really blown away by the role that food plays in the lives of Indians and how central it is to their culture and how they really continue to eat the way that their parents ate no matter where they live. Food is such an unbelievably important part of culture and building friendships and raising a family 
I know it sounds quite serious, but I really, I really do feel that. And I think we eat three times a day if we're lucky. And I certainly look forward to every meal that I have because I absolutely love eating. Uh, whether it's a simple omelette or a creative paella or an amazing uh, burger, I love to eat. And so I think about food a lot and I think it's played a very important role in the relationship that I have with my mom and my dad and my brother and I hope to continue that tradition in the future. Food for Thought, A Life in Four Courses is delivered by Meekup and funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund. This episode was produced by Emma Jane Harrington and Kieran Earls. Interviewer and transcriber was Emma Jane Harrington. Special thanks to Jessica for sharing her stories with us. To learn more about our work, visit mecop.org.uk.